Voice of the Bombers, one-on-one with Mike O'Shea, the Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. The Winnipeg Blue Bomber regular season is over. The playoffs will start for the Bombers on the 10th of November, the West semifinal. We don't know where it'll be. We don't know who they'll be playing. Mike O'Shea, who's going to start at quarterback in the West semifinal? Oh, Bob, we got lots of time. We'll figure that out as the as the days go by. Thought you might say that. <laughs> uh, let's look back on uh, the game against Calgary. I've said more than once, I said it a few minutes ago here on CJOB, it was one of those games that you just get your blood going. It was exciting back and forth, two top teams going at it. You get a last-minute drive and a last-play field goal, and the fans are really into it. And it was just really, I thought, a high point to end your season. How about you? Yeah, fantastic. Um you know, a little back and forth. I thought it was an excellent game. I thought it was one of those games that the that the fans would really enjoy. Um, and at the end, we end up making one more play than they made. So um, that's how these games against Calgary have probably been. Is is tight, right? So they're a good football team, and and we played just well enough to win, which is uh, which is good. But we still have a lot of room for improvement. You played them three times. You won by two. You won by one. They won by four. I guess that that tells a story about how closely matched these teams are, right? Yeah, and both teams would be looking back at the film, going, you know, looking at the plays that they could have been better at, and and seeing a different outcome. I'm sure. The pass that Calaris threw to Darvin Adams. Everybody is talking about that, and rightly so. Uh, that was a pretty special play, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's what uh, when Zach came into the league. That's what he was. You know, able to do when when he didn't uh, when play when the play broke down. So, I think what's really neat is if you if you look at it uh, again. Um, Zach spoke about Darvin waving his arms, so he's letting him know he's in the back. Darvin focusing on his feet and then relocating the ball. Nick Dembski getting in front of a DB and just slowing down enough so the DB didn't go by him and and possibly disrupt that pass. Uh, the moves by Zach to to escape and, you know, just get that ball off. Rolling that hard with a guy right on your inside, a defensive lineman chasing you from the inside out, um, that close to you, and keeping that ball uh, in a catchable position is is something else too. So we talked, uh, you and I, and we talked on our pregame show a lot on Friday about what a reasonable expectation would be for Zach Kolaris. Uh, did he, in your mind, did he sort of reach back into his veteran moxie to do what he did on Friday night with so little time with your team? Yeah, I think my answer, what a reasonable expectation was, I think my answer was win. Win the game, yeah. Win the game. Um, and and that's what he did. And I don't know that he has to reach that far back. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't played this year, really. So um, it, it was going to be interesting to see if there was any rust, but, you know, in terms of that old adage about, you know, never forgetting how to ride a bike, right? He's, he got back on that bike and was going and you could see the game just, just flowing for him, which was neat to see. What uh, does a guy have to do when he takes the team downfield, uses up all of the clock and then sets up the winning field goal? What is that, what does that uh, rely on from the quarterback? How does he make that happen? Is that simply a guy knowing what he's doing to the 
sort of to the nth degree? Well, the decision-making, um, you know, Lapo calls the plays and, and based on the down and distance and field position and the, and the expectation of what defense is going to be out there in terms of what, what coverage you're going to get, uh, the receivers have to be in the right spot, the protection has to be there, and the decisions uh, have to be right. So I thought he made good decisions down there, delivered the ball very timely, allowed uh, the, the receivers to get upfield. Uh, we still stuck with the run. Um, you know, we converted on uh, uh, third and short, so um, it, it it went right. And uh, you asked what has to happen. Well, all those things have to happen, which is which is pretty neat. Which is um, it's a good thing for our offense and our team to to go through. It's another one of those learning experiences, a positive one. A text question. We'll start off with Coach. Uh, could you have challenged the helmet to helmet hit on Zach Kolaris that the refs did not call? That was Witten McManus uh, hitting him pretty hard. And if you could have, why didn't you? Um, they looked at it. The sideline official came. I asked them specifically whether they looked at it. And they said, yep. And the command center said, uh, third down. So, uh, And when I talked to Zach when he came off, he said he, he felt like he got him in the shoulder. So when I looked at it again on slow motion after the fact, because you're relying on what video you have right there, which sometimes those replays aren't, there aren't as many as you get um, later on or after. Uh, and first contact was in the shoulder, and because he makes contact in the shoulder, Zach's head goes forward into the defender. First contact wasn't in the helmet, and, and Zach came off and, and said that. Uh, he was pretty sure it was in the shoulder, and so, and then when the refs tell me that they've they've already looked at it and determined it wasn't, uh, no point challenging. No point challenging. Now, like I, once again, there are sometimes there will be some cases where I hear from the official that they've looked at it and still feel there's a reason to challenge based mm-hmm. on the fact that once again they're going uh, clear and obvious at full speed with whatever replay they have available right then and there. So sometimes you challenge it so that they can get a couple extra views. Did you feel he'd given himself up on that play? Because that, that brings uh, you know, the head into a, question. I, I do think it was late. I think the slide was late. But I do think with the change in the rules this year, you, you know, them anytime a quarterback gives himself up, starts to slide, they're going to mark the ball down where he starts his slide. So there actually really is no reason to contact the quarterback when he starts to slide. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get close to him, they're, they're going to stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. So... Um, once again, I, I do think his slide was a little bit late. Here's another question about challenging. Uh, just curious about why. First of all, he says, uh, really enjoyed the game. His name is Ken. Just curious about why he chose not to challenge the pass from Bo Levi Mitchell near the end zone. That would be the one that was caught low. And you were looking long and hard at that, I know. Yeah, because his hands board. got underneath it. Yeah, okay. You know, it's it looked like a catch upstairs. You know, I... I I get the coaches to look at whatever replays they can look at too upstairs, close mm-hmm. like on a close monitor. Um, and from what I saw up on the jumbotron or whatever they showed or the iPad too, it, it to me and off the bat, it, to me it looked like his hands got underneath it. So once again, clear and obvious, regular speed with with the replay, the first replay you get. I see his hands underneath it. I've gone back and looked at it, watched the TV copy, looked at all different angles, and I can't see anything that would have overturned 
that call. So okay. once again, it has to be clear and obvious to overturn it. Sure. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Welcome back. The show is brought to you in part by Bear Crop Science. Science for a better life. To the phone calls we go at 780-6868. Daryl, you're on the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Daryl. Good evening, gents. Uh, nice win on Friday, Mike. Congratulations. Uh, looking forward to the playoffs. A couple quick questions. Uh, one's kind of a novel concept. What would uh, Lapo think of lining Streveler and Harris up in the backfield along with Caleros? I think that would uh, kind of screw the other team up pretty pretty well. And my question, though, is uh, when it comes to voting for the awards for the teams and players, uh, do you think Andrew Harris should be eligible or do you think the other reporters, uh, coaches, will kind of look at his uh, situation as being tainted? Uh, firstly, you're um, you're not allowed to have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So you'd have to list Chris Streveler as something other than a quarterback, which could be done, I guess. Although uh, they do have a stipulation that says sort of how he started the season is how he's going to be treated, right? So you can't – I don't know that you can switch a guy from quarterback to tailback <laughs> or fullback midseason. Um, just to get them on the field at the same time, right? I think they would frown upon that. Um, okay. Uh, secondly, absolutely, Andrew Harris deserves to be top Canadian, not only from leaving our team, but in the West and in the league overall. So uh, the rest of your question, uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but um, yeah, he he's he's very deserving. Um you know, there was a a test they tested positive for. He served a suspension. He's come back. He's absolutely dynamic. Um, all the other facts have been have been put out there, and I think everybody knows where I stand. He's I, so you, I you, complete you do, I have complete faith and trust in him that that uh, that's good. He wasn't uh, purposely taking anything uh, known to be banned. And you personally have a a, a vote on like. With uh, the team, yes, I boards, do. Like you, absolutely you do. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and good luck. Thank you, hey, Daryl. Thanks for the call. I have a vote too, and I voted for Andrew Harris. Julian, you're on the coaches show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Julian. Hi. Uh, does Kyle Walters listen to this show? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I would just like to pass a message on to him that uh, to sign uh, Zach Claris is uh, before the end of the season. Otherwise, he'll be. Uh, Starting quarterback for the Ottawa Rough Rider or Ottawa Red Blacks, and uh, I I find him uh, very entertaining. I've been a fan ever since he took over from Ricky Ray in fourteen, I think it was uh, twenty thirteen. Um, so I sure love to see him uh, back next year with the Blue Bombers right from the beginning. It would be uh, awesome. He's uh, He's another Tommy Burgess, and uh, that's just my opinion. Thank you. Okay, Bye. Julian. Thanks, Julian. Yeah, Michael passed that on to Kyle Walters, I'm sure. Um, this whole quarterback scenario, and I know you don't think about these things a lot at this time of the year, but there's going to be a bunch of them free agents in the offseason. Kolaris is one, Matt Nichols, Chris Streveler, Nick Arbuckle, um, Jeremiah Mazzoli. Boy, it's going to be a uh, potpourri of outstanding quarterbacks out there, Coach. 
I like our guys. Yeah, I know you do. All of them. <laughs> I know you like them all. You can't keep them all, though, probably. Huh? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, okay. Uh, give us a rundown of, of how you're going to go about now getting ready for that semifinal game on November the 10th, wherever it is. You're currently in a bye week, so run down the schedule for the next little while and how you plan to prepare. Well, we treated this a little differently. Um, I didn't give them the same amount of time that I would have give them, given the players uh, mid-season. I mean, we're 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 right into it. It's that time of year, and I know the players they they need to rest physically for sure, and they need to get away from football for a little bit. But uh, we've got a, um, a benefit of having this bye week where we can prepare a little while longer for for a couple of opponents that we both ha- that we have to beat. We have to beat both Calgary and Saskatchewan or Saskatchewan and Calgary. However, it's going to end up. So let's let's use our time wisely. We're gonna. Players are going to have four or so, four or five, four and a half days off, come in and, and ease into practice and, and get on the field a couple times and take care of some um, some things we want to take care of, clean up a few things, spend a little extra time prepping for both teams, and then they'll get a couple more days off and then we'll get back into a regular week. So um, it'll be good. They're, they're ready for the push. And you think, uh, and you've said this a couple of times, you think the bye comes at a good time. A great time. Yeah. A great time, yep. And why? Well, I just think it's it's uh, the team you play in the in the in the West final is going to have a bye week, a week, extra week to prepare. So we're getting an extra week to prepare for for our for our opponents. We're getting an extra week of rest. Now we will be one game in all the time, you know. So when you you play somebody in the West final, they're going to have a week of rest ahead of you, and you will play the game. But that that week of rest for us will be will be great and allow our players to heal up and uh, get stronger and get faster again and and once again allow our coaches to have extra days of prep. Will Chris Treveller be healthy by November 10th? Yeah, that's the plan. Yep, that's the plan. So is that your expectation? It, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where he just, he's going to improve every single day and and we'll see where that puts us. That, Like I said, that bye can't come at a better time. Calvin, you're on the coach's show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Calvin. Coach, there, uh, the, the game not this past week, but the week before there with uh, Scrabbler, the way he he gutted it out, would you allow him to do that one more time? Um, absolutely. You know, I've said this before, um, What what he did, what he showed his teammates, um, that was a gutsy. Move. Yeah, is a real. It's a real galvanizing performance. You know, the players see how hard he's working and and um, what he's doing for them. Every player, listen. Every player lays his body on the line for his teammates every single game, right? Oh, but, I understand but that. It's but that was that was something else. His his team really appreciated that, um, and I don't know that we. We allow uh, players to be great as often as we should. Because he he deserves every credit he can get. Yeah, he was, it was awesome. A great performance. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right, Calvin. Thanks. Appreciate the call. There's a text here wondering if there's going to be a coach's show next week. And, of course, there will be. It'll be on Monday night as usual because by then we'll know who the Bombers are playing in the semifinal. 
I don't know, will you be riveted to the two games on the weekend, the Sask, Edmonton, Calgary, BC? I guess you will. Eh? You Absolutely. would be anyway. Anyway, I watch. I try to watch every single game. Yeah. Do so. you think there's any chance BC beats Calgary? Yes. Really? Absolutely. What do you base that on? Base that on 45 guys on another team's roster that are playing for a lot. It means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game means a lot to Calgary too, but they're, I'm, I'm sure they're going to go out and battle. There was a aspect of last week's game that uh, really made a big difference, and it was the kicking game where they missed a field goal, missed a convert, and Janarian Grant returning it. That was a three-point swing, right? A big part of the win. Yeah, beautiful, Yeah, the way it, the way it worked out. Your special teams have been really good. I mean, Medlock's on fire. The whole works, right? Uh, yeah, I think they've been terrific uh, all season long. And, um, you know, their commitment is is something to see. I, I watch guys working after practice. I watch guys how, uh, you know, um, focus they are in meetings. Um, it's uh, their their desire to keep learning, right? You know, it's not the time of year where they're saying, yeah, yeah, we got it. They They... They want in, more instruction. They want more film study. They're 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 a pretty proud group. The Bombers Coaches Show on six eighty CJOB. Text question from Ruben. Mike, congratulations on a great victory. What makes it all the more remarkable is how rare it is for a team to defeat the Stamps after trailing by two scores to start the fourth quarter. I felt what detracted from the spectacle was the inconsistent officiating. Have you asked anybody from the league office to give you an explanation as to why, and he uses the word here, objectionable conduct was called on Maston for his hit on Begleton in the third quarter, while no call was made against McManus for his hit on Kolaris in the second? He said his objectionable conduct. I think he means rough play, but Mike? Yeah, it was a UR. Yeah. So it's a 15-yard, whereas an objectionable conduct is, is, is only 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm waiting to hear back. Uh, you know, I sent in... A couple plays that I wanted to talk about, and as I do every week, and uh, they look at them and they get back at me, back to me uh, fairly quickly, and we have good, good discussion about it. And that one may be a lengthy one because I don't see it uh, as being a UR, and they had plenty of time to to look at it and pick it up, and and I can't I can't challenge that. So with the player down, they have lots of time to pick those up, which I think with the player down, it makes it that much more difficult for them to pick that flag up. But we'll see what they say. Do you ever win those discussions? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. But But it doesn't do you any good then, does it? uh, (laughs) It's Monday night or Tuesday morning after the game. It does you no good. I think the, the, the reason... I do it one. I'm on the rules committee, and I, you know, these clips should be put into the the bank that we look at as to determining our standards on the field. Mm-hmm. And two, you know, a lot of times I I pose the question: if I challenged, would I win on a challengeable call? Because I need to keep on, you know, building that information and and um, seeing where the standards going from week to week. You know. Here's a text from Michael. Uh, Coach, congrats on an exciting win. The team now has direct access to the wisdom of roughly 30 years' worth of CFL quarterback experience between Buck Pierce, Matt Nichols, Chris Streveler, and Zach Kolaris. Through your remaining practices and during playoff games, will some protocol be followed to tap into all of the experience without overwhelming or confusing the quarterbacks who are playing? We, we've got a great quarterback room. Um 
and and that includes the name that was left off there was Lapo, right? So I know he doesn't he's not played quarterback at this level, uh, but he's been a coordinator in this league for a long time. So he recognizes the value of of taking input uh, from these guys and putting together a plan that the players. Um, you know, have had a bit of say in, right? So uh, it's, I think it's a, a great working room where they manage to get a lot done and, and are very productive with it. Brian, you're on the Coach Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, guys. I have a question and a comment for you, Mike. Uh, the question was, since you guys were talking about that game, Calgary and BC, is your mindset going to be any different, um, knowing not knowing where it is? Like, if let's say you're going to Calgary or um, here, I know how close the games are. Is there any difference how you prepare for each any city you're playing in? Well, the only difference would be preparing to go to Sask, which we've done so many times in the last bunch of years in terms of uh, the crowd noise. And, and we played in the playoffs last year there. Uh, and it was it was cold and the fan was packed. So uh, we, we understand how to do that. Otherwise... Um, you know, if, if we got to be on the road for all three, so be it. And if we're fortunate enough um, through somebody else's doing that we get a home playoff date, then that's great for our fans too and great for our team. But, um, you know, we got to be road warriors. Let's be road warriors. Yeah, I hope you guys are road warriors. Um, so a few years ago, I was disappointed when we had a chance to get Calaris for a quarterback um, and he signed up with Hamilton. And then you guys eventually got Nichols, which is great, and they're both great quarterbacks. I wish we could have them both. But I guess Claros, he seems to do really well with our offense and maybe not well with other teams. And, um, yeah, I just wish that there was a um, chance that we can keep him, you know, after this. Um, so just um, good luck wherever you guys are playing your playoff game. Thank you very much. Hey, Brian, appreciate the call. Thank you. Kelly, you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Kelly. All right, thanks a lot. Um, okay, my question is the weather. Um, who do you think is the best to start in uh, you know bad weather conditions? Uh, Claris with his experience or Stravler? Oh, well, I think if you're talking bad weather, you're talking Andrew Harris. You know that that brings up the run game. You know, I think I don't. You know, looking back and watching film from previous years, I don't know that there's quarterbacks that have. Uh, a real problem with the weather. You know, I think that they're, these guys understand that what playoff football in Canada is about, right? So um, I think the majority of them are mutters no matter what. So um, I would never look at, at the weather as being something that would hinder um, any part of our game, really. So uh, would Strebler, would that be an asset if it was a bad weather game to have him start? Like I said, I'd be I'd be very comfortable with any of our quarterbacks starting in bad weather. You know, one of the things is our, our O line would would enjoy that, and and our tailback would enjoy that. You know, I mean, they've shown it in the past that they've they've thrived and and run the ball very hard when the when it gets cold and and snowy and icy. All right, thanks a lot. Thank okay, you. Okay, Kelly, appreciate the call. I think that's one of the most overhyped theories that has existed for years in this league, that if it's cold, nobody will be able to pass the ball. Well, history suggests that that's just totally bogus. Unless there's a real strong wind, these guys will pass it as much as they ever do. 
Well, I, I look back at the 96 and, and 97. You just said. <laughs> I look back at 96 and 97. Doug Flutie. There was so much snow on the ground, and they, the, the broadcasters made a huge deal about Doug Flutie wearing gloves, and he can't win when he wears gloves, whatever they were saying. I mean, it was, uh, its score was in the 40s. I forget what the final was, 43-37 or something like that. Both teams were passing the ball like crazy. Yeah. And, and the next year, it was minus 15. And... I think once again, you know, the ball was being chucked around the park a little bit. I'm not sure why we keep hearing that. It's just, it's sort of like an old theory that uh, won't die for some reason. Hi, coach. What can be done to curb the alarming trend of our defense giving up explosion plays? I lost count of how many times there were in the past two games. I think you had fewer in this past game, but probably more than you liked. Yeah, um, I think the previous game was eight, six passes and two runs, and this game was uh, four. Four or five, so we did uh, cut uh, down those explosions. Still too many. Um, I mean, once again, it's about seeing the pitchers and correcting the mistakes. Sometimes in those deep zones, guys are off their mark by a couple yards, um, and they need to see the pitcher to show them that you know where they started, where they ended up, the difference it would make, where their eyes were, uh, those types of things. I mean, obviously, more pressure. Defense is a 12-man game, same as the offense, right? So you need all 12 guys getting it done. So more pressure helps eliminate those explosions too because usually on an explosion pass, like a deeper pass, not a pass that's caught short and, and then uh, the yak is accumulated. Yeah. A ball that's thrown deep down the field usually requires a little bit more time in the pocket. So Doug and I spent a fair bit of time on the broadcast Friday raving about how sharp Bo Levi Mitchell was and how accurate some of his throws were and how the timing between he and his receivers uh, was immaculate. And I got some emails from fans telling me, they shut up already. We've heard enough about how good Bo Levi is, but we just couldn't help ourselves. He made some throws mm-hmm. that you had to. If, you're, if you like football and appreciate football, he made some throws that you have to go, wow, this guy is really good. Yeah, well, we did a good job, once again, of taking away their run. So they're going to pass more. He had over 40 attempts for the second time in the season. I don't know that he's had that many attempts, you know, too often. So, you know, he's got to throw the ball more. Um, He is very accurate. And, you know, he's been accurate for a long time. Yeah, so there's nothing new about the, it. The idea about the timing is interesting because the way the rules are set up now, it's really hard to disrupt a receiver and quarterback's timing. Sure. You, unless you stand on the line of scrimmage and try and jam these guys that are running full speed at you, it doesn't work because anything past five, you're going to get flagged. So mm-hmm. it is really geared towards offensive production and, and passing. So, yeah. um, And they're very good at it. Yeah, we were. There were a number of throws where we, Doug and I, just said, "Well, you, you can't defend that. It's impossible." If the quarterback puts the ball right where it needs to be, uh, it's almost—I wouldn't use the word impossible. You won't like to hear that, but it's difficult to defend. Yep, some so, of them, some of those, some of those passes are very difficult to defend. Carson, you're on the coach's show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Carson. Hey, Mike. Uh, the pass rush hasn't been uh, the biggest. The uh, oh, I'm sorry. One sec. It's okay. He's thinking about his words. Good. Okay, go ahead. Uh, the pass rush has kind of slowed down in the second half of the year. 
specifically Jeff Godin Jefferson. Is there any concern about that going into the playoffs? No, I'm not concerned. I think there's been a conscious effort by teams to um, help their help their tackles with protection in terms of chipping with a with a uh, tailback or fullback. Um, you know, moving a receiver in when they want uh, a longer pass. So I think there's been a um, a little bit of a shift towards uh, how they how teams work their protection against our guys. Uh, we still need to be relentless, and our guys know that. And and um, you know whether we design, try and design other schemes. Uh, it's if they're going to protect with seven, you know, it's it's tough to rush for. So you have, want to bring extra guys. When you bring extra guys, you have less in coverage, more windows open. So there's always a trade off. And uh, I think the bye week will, will be beneficial in terms of our guys feeling a little more fresh and being able to get after it a little more. Okay, Carson. All right. Thank Th- you. Thanks, thanks, Carson. Thanks for the call. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. All right. One more phone call. George, you're on with the coach. Go ahead, George. Hello, George. Yeah, hi. Okay, I just got two questions. One, when I'm watching the game, I, I don't get to all the games, but I watch all every game on TV. And uh, Yeah, go ahead, George. Okay, I'm just wondering, uh, when the other teams, when they have a play and it goes away, they're right away on the... On the George, I think you're listening to your radio while you're doing this, so you need to stop okay. doing that so you can finish your thought. Yeah, okay. I'm wondering why they don't go with on their iPad and review the play that they just did when it didn't work, or if it did work, why they why it worked so good when everybody's in the right position. And the second one is, do you ever think there's going to be a chance that Scribbler will be uh, running a uh, running back with Harris in the finals with Calaris at quarterback? I'll I'll listen to your answer on the on the TV now. Okay, George. Yeah, I, I mentioned uh, you're not allowed to dress two have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time, um, so that would be next to impossible. Uh, with regards to the iPad, you only get one angle with the iPad. It's called the All Twenty Four. So anything uh, finite, um, like a catch, like anything that you got to see real detail with, um, you're not going to get from the all 24. So what you can really see is is a is a defensive pass interference, maybe um, something like that. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to get a clear enough view, which is why you use your booth and you call up and you see if uh, if they've seen anything, a different replay. Than, than we've seen, or you use the big screen. Then if you're at an away game, they generally don't show those replays for you. Is it fair to say a, a high percentage of challenges that every coach uh, throws in this league are because of some information he's gotten from upstairs? I would say, yeah, the majority of them would be, I would think. You'd have to ask the other coaches, but i say the majority of them would be. Okay, some text questions. Coach, can you order Janarian Grant to tuck his hair in so opposing players can't grab it, which they did the other night? I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. And it's not illegal to, to grab a player by the hair, is it? It's not. Yeah. That's two two touchdowns, basically, we think we've missed because of uh, the long hair. Lucky White had the other one. Yeah. 
Should it be illegal? No. Uh, what about, uh, let's see, nice to see Sean McGuire get some meaningful reps. Uh, thought he did well. Your comments, Coach. Yeah, I thought he did great. <laughs> he did great. He, uh, you know, he went in there and performed uh, well for us and, and got some tough yards, and we, you know, we put him in a, that last drive. It's over a yard he needs to get, and he runs to an edge with a free player and gets ends up getting five yards, tucks right in there. Uh, didn't panic at all. Tucked right in there, broke a tackle, and and ended up getting five yards. Had he run short yardage uh, yeah, preseason. In, in the past? Pre-season. Just in preseason. Yeah. Uh, in his college career, do you know about that or not? Yeah, I haven't. I'm sure. Uh, question number one here from another texter. I haven't heard why Lucky Whitehead wasn't dressed on Friday. What's the situation? Well, Darwin was back in, and there was there's only so many spots, and we like what Kenny Lawler's been doing, and... I said before, Rashid Bailey's been a guy that um, if you were to come out and watch practice every single day, he's he makes a tremendous amount of plays in practice going 100 miles an hour all the time. So it was it was getting harder and harder to keep him off. But Lucky Whitehead is, uh, we like our depth. He could step in at any time and, and be good for us. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't recall a drop ball on Friday. Did you have a drop ball on offense? Ooh. Yeah, I don't know that we would have marked anyone down for a drop. Um, Here's another question. Chris Treveller had a boot on his foot during the game Friday. I haven't heard the nature of his foot injury. You care to tell us the nature of the injury, Coach? Nope. Michael Couture left the game. That's another guy I forgot to ask you about, your center. What's, uh, What's his status? Well, we'll see as time goes on. Yeah, He's got some time. That's the benefit of having this week. So Cody Speller went in there and played center. That's why he's on the roster, right? Because he can yeah, play all those positions. Absolutely. How'd he do? Oh, he's tough. Yeah. Uh, how'd he grade out? Uh, I'm not sure he was exact grade, but, you know, I, we like what, obviously that's why he's around, is mm-hmm. we like what he can do. He's a, he's a physical kid. He's smart. He puts in a lot of time in the film room making sure he's right. And... Um, when he gets out there, you know he's going to be gritty. One last thought on McGuire, and uh, I didn't know it until I watched the game again, but the snap on that winning field goal was a little bit high and wide, and he did a great job of getting it down, didn't he? Yeah, great focus uh, on that one for sure. Um, you can never take those for granted because mm-hmm. in practice they come back perfect all the time. And so uh, when they're not quite perfect, um, you got to corral it, and you know it. It was a good enough snap. He still managed to get it and get it down, and and didn't disrupt the the timing of the kick or anything like that. So it was a fantastic job. But the whole operation really was good. Yeah, it's a play we tend to take for granted, but we shouldn't. All right, we'll see you next Monday. Perfect. Michael Shea, the coach's show. We'll be back next Monday. The show brought to you in part by Bear Crop Science, Science for a Better Life, right here on six eighty CJOB. Most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.